Welcome to Some Would Say. Casual chats for curious people. Your weekly podcast hosted by us, Amelia Rose and Lara May, unpacking all things life from the arts to well-being, from work to play and hearing what others have to say. Today, we are joined by singer-songwriter Tia Gostello. At 22 years old, Tia has already scored two Triple J feature albums, one album of the year at the Queensland Music Awards for Thick Skin, and her most popular track, Strangers, has racked up over 14 million streams. You may have seen her play at Falls Fest or Groove in the Moo, and supported the likes of Bernard Fanning, Boy and Bear, and Ballpark Music. We dive into the inspiration behind her songs, the harsh realities of international touring and Tia's honest experience with mental health. With her latest album, Chrysalis, out in 2020, Tia continues to evolve as an artist, proving to the world that she can equally nail indie rock as she does 80s-inspired glam pop. It's time to talk music with Tia Costello. so much for coming on the show thanks for having me I love the jingle oh thank you yeah <laughs> thank you we didn't much. ask you to say that or <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well we'll start with a question that we ask all guests first up if we were to take you on a night out what is your DJ song request and why and what would we order you to drink um, so my go-to DJ song is always wanna be by the Spice Girls mm, always classic. Um, and the drink, I guess it depends on my mood, but if I'm going for a cocktail, it's always an amaretto sour. Nice. And if I just want a basic one, it's probably just a vodka sunrise. Yes. Love it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, it's been a hot minute since I've had one of them, but not mad about it. I mean, they are the best. Yeah, totally. <laughs> they are. <laughs> if you want to be my lover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, They're such a tune. Total banger. Well, for those who may not know you, could you tell us a little bit about your upbringing? Who is Tia? Yeah, so I'm Tia Costello. Um, I am a singer, songwriter, musician. I have grown up pretty much in North Queensland my whole life. But I guess if we're going back earlier, I grew up on an island in the Northern Territory called Groot Island up until I was about eight. And then my family and I moved to Mackay and I've been there up until about four years ago. And then I moved to Brisbane. I started playing guitar when I was about seven after I saw Taylor Swift for the first time and literally just made my parents listen to me like every weekend playing <laughs> covers of Taylor Swift songs. Oh my God, um, love it. Yeah, no, Love Story was like the first song I ever learned to play and I swear that's all I played for like a year. Same, that's oh. so funny you say that. <laughs> yeah. It was exactly the same. Yeah, so that was all when I lived on Good Island and then my family and I moved to Mackay when I was eight and... I guess we didn't really know where, because I've always wanted to do music, like I've never had an interest in anything else, Um, but we didn't really know how to kind of like get me into it. But we found out there were these like country music festivals, but there were like country music competitions that happened all through Queensland. Um, So I started doing that when I was about 10 or 11. Um, And that's what I did for about four or five years. 
until I was kind of old enough to play in pubs, which was like my job throughout school. My brother was dragged along and played in my covers band until I was like 17. Oh, cool. Which was really cool. Like it was, my parents didn't want me to really have another job. I was going through like a weird stage when all my friends were working at like Maccas and stuff. And I was like, mom, like, just let me get a normal job at like McDonald's or something. Like, why do I have to keep playing at these like crappy pubs every weekend? (laughs) But I'm so glad that I did. So glad. Um, And then when I was 16, I wrote and released my first single, State of Art. And that's kind of where things kicked off for me. And now I guess I'm just, I'm just a musician living in Brisbane. Oh, tough life, hey? (laughs) So you were only 16 when you caught Triple J's attention. Would you say that that was the pivotal moment in your career that everything really started to take flight? Definitely. That was, um, that's where everything like changed for me, I guess. So I think it was when I was in grade, yeah, it was when I was in grade 12, I entered in Triple J Unearthed High. Didn't really think anything of it. Like I'm this girl that lives in Mackay, North Queensland, like as if I'm going to get into it. But I remember like driving to school with my mum and my brother one day and we're listening to like them announcing like the finalists for Triple J Unearthed. And I think before they even said it, I got a notification on my phone and it said that I was a finalist. And I'm like, what the hell? This is not real. And then I heard them say my name on the radio. I just remember like crying. I'm like, this is so insane. Like, it's Oh my so gosh. Cool. So that was real. That was a really cool moment. And from there, like my poor mum, who manages me now, but at the time she didn't really know much about artist management. Like we just had all of these like emails coming through from labels and booking agents and people in the music industry that we didn't really know what to do with. So it was all very overwhelming at first, but it's definitely the thing that's like put me, I guess, into the music industry. And after that, I got to do, I got to play at Big Sound, which is like a massive um, conference and like showcasing thing that happens in Brisbane and the Valley. And it's, I think it's like the biggest conference that happens in our side of the world so it's like always a massive deal and I was 17 when I was asked to play it and me not knowing anything I was just like yeah I'll just go and play like me and my acoustic guitar (laughs) and we my other manager now Asho he was like working with us at the time and he's like no mate you've got to get a full band for this like this is a very big deal (gasps) so like I was just so like naive I had no idea um but that was also another pivotal moment in my career so like everything did stem from like unearth high and um that's where all my relationships with triple j have come from and yeah it's been really really great and i feel really lucky wow Wow. that's so cool i feel like sometimes when you're naive to situations that's where like the beauty lies yeah because you just go into things so authentic like yeah you know you're not freaking yourself out or it's it's just how it happens yeah and And I I just remember like feeling so um just excited about everything like with Unearth High like it was just incredible and like big sound as well like I remember walking I've never been to the valley before in Brisbane and I remember walking through it and my mum's like pointing out like there are some drag queens over there and like (laughs) that's the beat it was amazing um and I just remember just being like, what is this? Like, this is, is this what my is now? And it's just incredible. And I wish I could go back to feeling that way. But um, 
more exciting things keep coming and yeah I just like I said I feel very lucky like that this is my job yeah you uh you do it well (laughs) um I remember obsessing over your song vague utopia back in 2017 um can you tell us the story behind that song the story behind vague utopia I think it was my second single so it was a single that came after the song that got an unearthed high um and I'm a very lazy songwriter or I or I have been in the past I think I'm getting better but I was also a teenager and I didn't really want to do anything but we needed a new single and I'd been like putting it off for so long and I remember one weekend my dad was like mate you're not going out this weekend you're not going to go do anything you're grounded until you write this song (laughs) until you write this single and that didn't do anything for me and I'd been wanting a cat for a really long time and then my dad's like mate if you write a good single you can get a cat so I wrote Vague Utopia and then I got my cat, Frank. <laughs> can I hire your That's dad amazing. to come and motivate me to write songs? <laughs> yeah. like, can he just like chill out at my place and be like, oi, write that song or you're not going out. That would I be awesome. I call him Dr. Phil. Like he's like a man that, yeah, when he talks to me and it's serious, I know it's really, really serious. So, Is your jumper dedicated to him? Because I can see it says dad. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That was unplanned. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Shout out to dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to dad. That's awesome. That's so cool. I wanted to ask, um, obviously your parents have your ultimate best intention at heart, but what do you think, like, why do you think they were so passionate about you taking music so seriously? I honestly think it's because my parents had me when they were really, really young, like my, and they didn't like know each other too well. So I think for them they didn't grow up having all the opportunities that I have had and my brother have had. Um, So I think for them, they wanted to do everything they could to make whatever we wanted to do work. And like, they were so passionate and they still are so passionate at like being supportive of whatever it is that me and my brother want to do. And I'm, yeah, now that I'm older, I look back on it and I'm like, they actually did so much for me. And I think it's just all because they didn't have these opportunities and they really wanted to give it to us. But yeah, they used to drive me hours upon hours every weekend to all these country music festivals. We'd go to Tamworth every year and do that drive from Mackay to Tamworth in a day. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, and my poor brother was dragged to all of this stuff. Um, (laughs) But here we are. We're fine now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think they're just the most supportive parents in the world and I'm so grateful for them. And they're so heavily involved in my music career like like I said before my mum's one of my managers and my dad's the first person that I sent all of my songs to because they're going to be the first people to like critique it if there's anything that needs to be changed like I think there's this and I've noticed it with my mum sometimes in the music industry that when people find out she's my mum some people will be like oh stage mum kind of thing Mm -hmm. and it's the complete opposite like my parents are the like the most honest people with me and they'll be the first people to tell me if I'm if I wrote a crap song or mm, if I'm being yeah. a little brat or like you know like they're, True. they're they're amazing and if I didn't have that I probably would be a brat you know what I mean like <laughs> you need people around you to be honest with you and that's what they are yeah totally oh that's so good that you have like such a um epic support network mm. and yeah that- I feel very grateful yeah 
It's interesting you said um, songwriting or lyrics itself has been something that you've had to gradually, you know, get better at um, because I was about to say your writing seems beyond your years. Like even as a teenager, there's this level of depth to it that I've, I've noticed. Um, what, where do you think that that's come from? Um, I think it was because I was listening to a lot of country and folk music when I was younger. It was a lot of storytelling kind of music that I was listening to. And my dad is really great with words like he he can't sing or play an instrument to save his life but lyrics he'll just sit there and just write and write and write um so I used to sit down with him and write songs um but I think yeah I literally think it's just from like listening to like folk music like I was just obsessed with like the Lumineers and this band called First Aid Kit and I loved all the stories that they told and I think that's where I kind of drew inspiration from But like, I think it comes in waves. Like at the moment, I'm really struggling with writing lyrics because my life's pretty good at the moment. I'm like, it's not an unfortunate thing, but it's unfortunate for my lyric writing because (laughs) I don't know know what to write about. Yeah, I think when I was when I was younger and a teenager, like you obviously have all these feelings that you don't know how to deal with, and like boys and all of this kind of stuff. So I think I had a lot more content when I was younger than I do now. Right, that's so interesting that you draw. Um, in, so you draw inspiration from your life experiences, particularly maybe ones that you don't know how to process through? Yeah, yeah, totally. And like my last album, Chrysalis, I had like a very strong vision about how I wanted everything to sound and look what I wanted to write about because like at that time I was like super homesick. I was living by myself in Brisbane. I had all these feelings I didn't know how to cope with. So like I just like, blurted them out onto a page whereas like now I don't really know what to write about like it's probably a good like my life's great at the moment like not fighting with my boyfriend not fighting with anyone like I'm pretty content so I'm having to like find inspiration from like other people and maybe their misfortunes (laughs) but they won't ever know that it's about them you know what I mean so (laughs) it's like yeah (laughs) I'm like reading books and trying to like figure out a way to like talk about things that are important that isn't just about me yeah it's oh. it's so funny that because when you're living living in the moment having the best time you rarely stop to ponder like oh I should write a song about this like yeah. it's just yes. not the case it, hey it's, you're just too busy having fun it's so hard to write a happy song and it not sound cringe yeah <laughs> I know right it's an art but I'm really happy for you I'm really glad you, <laughs> you're loving yeah. life ATM <laughs> um you mentioned that folk inspired you especially like in the beginning do you have any key artists that inspire you maybe like now and also who are you listening to at the moment um my inspiration changes all the time like who I listen to is constantly changing but if I could pick like one person that like has heavily influenced me from like the beginning it would be um Melody Poole She's this artist that I saw when I was down in Tamworth. Um, I think I was maybe 14 and we were at this um, like talent. Oh, it's like a competition. I think it was called Telstra Road to Discovery. And I remember her coming out on stage and like, it's like a weird out of body experience that I had. It was so strange. But I remember just like her walking out on stage with this beautiful like white creamy dress she had this beautiful like dark mahogany guitar and she sang this song called Henry and you could literally hear like a pin drop in the room like I had goosebumps 
was something I'd never felt before. It was insane. Wow. And I just like fell so in love with her and her songwriting. And um, I made my parents take me to her album launch, which I think was the next day. And I remember just like standing at the back watching her sing all these songs and it just being so, so like beautiful. And like I didn't know music could do that to you. You know what I mean? Mm. And I, yeah, it was just like a whole thing that I just loved so much. And I love her as a songwriter and she's like someone that really inspired me to keep songwriting and get better at it and um I think that's probably where the storytelling comes from as well because her lyrics are so honest and so like cheeky um so if you haven't listened to her definitely do yeah her album yeah. the hurting scene is incredible the hurting scene was it yeah a melody pool cool we'll check that out hey congrats on putting out two albums that's massive <laughs> thick skin back in 2018 and chrysalis in 2020 there was quite a shift in the evolution of your sound um what would you say are the key differences between between these two um I would say musically you can definitely tell there's a difference like there's Mm. a lot more like electronic kind of vibes there's way more synth I was just very inspired by the album Don't Feed the Pop Monster by Broods I think it's on my it's on my wall behind me I remember listening to that and falling so in love with all of the music but also just like their whole aesthetic like when I look at an album the music has to be amazing but I also need to like visually see like a whole like a whole thing going on like a whole theme or something. To, yeah like a theme like yeah. a whole vibe I guess I don't really know what the word is um so like when I went into making Chrysalis I really wanted to make sure that I had an amazing photographer an amazing stylist an amazing graphic designer because I wanted what everyone was listening to in the songs to be represented in all of like the photos and videos and everything that they see. Um, And as for like the music, like I said before, all these songs were written at a time where I was feeling really homesick, having that like early twenties, like what am I doing with my life kind of situation. And I guess like being in a long distance relationship and figuring out how that works and all these feelings that I didn't know how to, process um but I didn't want to make it a sad album like Mm. I really wanted people to be like dancing to it when we played it live and that was also another like huge element of it when I was writing the songs is that like when I was playing this songs from thick skin people were like swaying in the crowd but and it felt like they really like just wanted like a bit more to be able to just like fully dance Mm -hmm. and so when I was writing it I'm like I really want people to just be jumping around and screaming (laughs) and like having the best time of their lives so I was thinking about like the live show element at the same time so there were lots of different like moving parts to making Chrysalis. Cool and you worked with one of the guys from Holy Holy on that album hey? Yeah Oscar produced and mixed it and I love that man so much he's amazing. That's so awesome. Cool. You must love collaborating as well as um, as putting out your own stuff. It must be such a rewarding process. Yeah, I love co-writing with people. Like yeah. it's my favourite thing to do. Even if it is on Zoom, like I still think it's so fun to be able to hear like other people's ideas and it literally takes a song that like if you wrote it by yourself in like a whole, into a whole new world because everyone's ideas are so different and like what they are feeling about like a certain topic could be completely different to you. So yeah, yeah, I love collaborating. Mm. So do I, even like, this is so different. I'm 
by no means a musician, but even <laughs> when I work creatively with people, I'm like, oh, I never would have thought of that by myself. Like it's so nice mm. to hear other people's perspectives and yeah. whatnot. Do you have um, an absolute highest point in your career and conversely a low point in your career that you could share? Yeah. Um, highest point, I would probably say one, um, when I won the album of the year award at the Queensland music awards, that was crazy. Like I was up against like Amy shark, like it was wild. Wow. Like, and I was like, I'm the youngest person to ever win it. And I didn't wow. hear them say that cause I was too busy crying. <laughs> <laughs> so huge. <laughs> Embarrassing. Um, and probably the other one would be playing, um, Falls Festival, which was like mm. a really big thing for me. And like, not just one of them, like I went on like the whole tour around the country and like Toto was headlining. Wow. Oh That's my so cool. God. <laughs> Love seen the Toto. truck that they had, that they were traveling with. It was like massive semi. It was insane. Oh, um, that's so sick. And I guess lowest point would be when I went on my um, European tour in 2019. Um, I was like in a really bad mental headspace before I went on that tour. And there were lots of like moving parts that factored into why it was probably like one of the worst times of my life. Um, but I was like with traveling with a band full of like boys that I'd only really known for maybe like a month. So I didn't really know anyone. I wasn't feeling great before we left. It's a massive thing going on tour overseas, mm, um, I can imagine. especially like when you've never done an overseas tour before. Um, and like, I just remember being at the airport before we flew off, like literally just crying to my parents on the phone saying, I don't want to go, like whatever. So I had this bad outlook on on it before I even left the country. Mm -hmm. um, and then we got to the UK and I think the first show we played, I was booked to play in these really big rooms that I probably shouldn't have been like in like 150 capacity rooms. And like the first show we played, like two people came. And so like in my head, I'm like, this is why, why did we even do this? Like we're spending so much money. Like no one's going to come and see us play. So like I was just very negative um, mm -hmm. before we went and like those two people coming, I was like, nah, this sucks. Like, <laughs> Like, what am I doing over here? So, like, I was so negative um, and I ended up getting really sick. I lost my voice. So <sighs> we ended up, like, having to cancel, like, half of the tour. But we still had to keep driving around to all the cities that we were meant to play. Like, I think we were playing, like, 13 shows in 15 days. Oh, shit. All over the That's UK. Intense. That's so intense. In the Netherlands, France. We were literally driving hours every day. So, yeah, lost my voice. And I was just very negative. Like it was just, I was calling my parents every day. My poor mum wasn't sleeping because of the time difference and me calling her like every day, just like complaining about life. And then we played this really cool show in Frankfurt in Germany. It was like in this really weird industrial area and it was like on a river and right next to the stage was like a pen of goats. It was just like so strange, <laughs> but I'm like, this is going to be weird. Best gig ever. <laughs> Only in Germany. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it ended up being the best gig of probably the tour. And like there were people in the crowd that like knew of my songs. I could see people singing them. Everyone was so lovely. And I think for me that moment 
it made me switch my perspective Mm. and I'm like I should be grateful that I'm like able to be over here playing to people like touring in Europe who cares if there's like two people that are coming like those two people paid to come see you and they know you and they're fans of you so like it shouldn't really matter how many people are in the room so yeah that like really switched it for me and then we went to like play this really cool festival in Amsterdam and it ended up being like a really great experience in the end I think it was just a very big learning curve for me and yeah like I look back on it now and I'm like I'm glad I went through that because if I didn't I'd probably be I'd probably go through it some other time but I'm glad it happened when I was younger and I also think it was a lot of like the social media thing came into play because I before I went over I saw all these bands from Australia playing in Europe and like killing it and when I went over there I'm like well I'm a failure like why aren't I doing that and I realized like it's people just showing the best parts of their life. So when I came back home, I'm like, I'm going to try and be more aware of like what I'm posting because of like, if that's how I feel, I'm sure that's how other people feel. So yeah, I was trying to be a lot more honest, but yeah, there's another part to the end of that story. Uh, we were in Amsterdam, you know, like you, you do what you do when you're in Amsterdam. And I think <laughs> we've all got an Amsterdam yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, like whole stressful, like tour. I did what you do in Amsterdam and I woke up the next morning and literally thought I had chicken pox. (laughs) Like I, like, and that was the day we were meant to fly back to Australia and like we're going on tour with ballpark music after. So I was like talking to my mum, like I've got all these dots all over me. I don't know what it is. And so my mum flew down from Mackay to Melbourne to come and like see me and like console me, I guess, before we went on this tour with ballpark. And she took me to the doctor and the doctor was like, do you meditate? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, you've got a severe case of stress acne and you need to (gasps) meditate. Oh, shit. So I was just like, well, maybe I need to look after myself a little bit better and not stress as much. (laughs) Because I literally thought I had chicken pox. Oh, my goodness. Lucky that's all it was, but still meditate. (laughs) There's the moral of the story. Um, I'm really glad here that you shared that story um, about your European tour because so often as you said we only see the highlight reel of people's life and yeah. I think to anyone thinking oh yeah Europe uh, Europe tour like let's be jealous and like you're killing yeah. it blah, blah blah and you are and and you were but like it's just so important um, for people to remember that it's not always what it seems. Mm. 100% and I think the hardest part for me was like I was trying to like talk about it with like friends but nobody understood like everybody was like oh like you're in Europe you should be like so like happy and excited and I'm like well you saying that actually makes me feel worse yeah, <laughs> yeah. you don't you don't really know yeah. what it's like totally yeah. so like I'm glad my mum and dad were there to talk to because like I, nobody else really understood yeah. yeah and it's good that you yourself came to that um like, I guess, realisation or, like, your perspective changed in that time? Because that's, cl- like you said, like, you were either going to learn it in that scenario or the universe was just going to test you yeah. again and force you to learn it at some other time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. glad for you that, you know, you took that on board and you were like, oh, that's why I went through yeah. those feelings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's definitely a very good learning curve. And now I know like next time I go, like I know what to do next time I go overseas and how to plan an overseas tour. Like I'm definitely not going to be playing in 100 capacity venues. Like let's start like at maybe 50 
if yeah. we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's even the same in Brizzy. Like um, I'm an artist, I'm a singer too. I'm yet to do my first kind of launch as I've I've had songs out for years but I've still just been putting off doing any kind of launch forever um but the thought of I you know I'd never go and try to ambitiously book out the biggest venue I can I'd always start with like something super small and then just have all my best friends in there and be like yeah I'm killing it you know (laughs) the room like the room's super packed but it's like capacity 10 you know yeah yeah. (laughs) that's the way to do it yeah yeah (laughs) but um no that that's such a good story Hey, if, if you weren't doing music, which might seem like a stupid question, if you weren't, what would what do you think you'd be doing? Um, I feel like I would – I've always been really, really interested in, like, psychology and criminal psychology. Um, I don't know if I could do it now. I feel like I haven't used that part of my brain <laughs> since I was in high school, so I don't know if it could yeah. handle that. Um yeah, maybe that or I don't know. I've got so many like little things that I love. Like at the moment I've like been thinking like should I go like do a course in something? Like maybe interior design. I love playing The Sims a lot. So maybe. Oh so play- can relate. Just yeah. Preach into the choir <laughs> over to here. build the houses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you get bored and you're like, no. Did you ever yeah. used to use like the mother load um, cheat and you'd get like a million dollars? I just found out that was a thing like oh. a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I, I was the worst millions. for cheating on Sims. I just cheated my way through the whole game. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> oh, like, oh, you're tired? I'm not going to put you to bed. I'm just going to use the, the sleep cheat and like all like all the needs just like go up to green. Like, for, oh, what a time. I love it. So good. That's amazing. Well, do you have any goals in the pipeline that everyone should be aware of? Um, I think goals that I have, I want to get better at like producing my own demos. I think I've actually stuck to it this time. I usually do something for maybe a couple of days and then I just throw it away. But um, I really want to just be able to like make my own music. So hopefully in like the next six months, I'm a lot better at doing that. Um, oh, goals. I'm in the process of writing my third album, so hopefully that'll be done by start of next year, middle of next year. That's exciting. Yeah. I'm a very bad goal person. I never set them. <laughs> well, it's clearly worked pretty yeah. well for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just casually onto your third album, but yeah. no goals, no goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we uh, we wanted to end our chat with some fun. So we thought we'd, uh, we usually play a Would You Rather game with Ooh. our listeners. So you don't know any of these questions, but we're just going to ask you anyway. Um, so I'll start. Tia, would you rather never listen to music again? Or never use technology? Ow. (laughs) Never use technology. I couldn't not. I have music playing all the time, no matter where I am. Same. Same. But but would you need technology, like, to play music from, like, a phone or something? (laughs) Now, look, we don't need to get into the (laughs) the logistics. But as you were saying, I'm like, oh, fuck. True. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unless it was just you playing, playing. the guitar. Yeah, yeah no. look, could just be acoustic. Yeah, let's not get into the details. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, question number two. Would you rather listen to your least favourite genre for 24 hours or never listen to your favourite genre for six months? 
I would rather never listen to my favorite genre for six months. I couldn't listen to, I couldn't listen to heavy metal for 24 hours. (laughs) I couldn't. I think you'd go insane personally. Oh, I went, when I was in Europe, this probably added to my stress that like all of my band is like big metal heads and I'd wake up to like the sound of heavy metal in the van and I think it's just traumatized me so I would just happily go without listening to my favorite genre for that long so I didn't have to listen to that yeah I can I can feel some offense to anyone that listens to heavy metal it's just not my thing no it's definitely not relaxing I reckon I'd get some fake chicken pox up in here if I was (laughs) listening to heavy metal for 24 hours too Uh, okay wait is it my turn yes yeah okay would you rather be able to play one instrument really well like absolutely killing it renowned for it or be able to play every instrument like but but only a little bit good at everyone Mm. probably I probably want to be able to play everything a little bit good because I feel like if you can do that you can still make a song and then get someone that's really good to play it later yeah Mm -hmm. so true that's, okay. I lo- that's what I love about songwriting is when you like you have an idea and you've got like the basics of it but you're like someone else needs to come and run with this yeah. and make it better that's like as yeah. you were saying before with collaborating and I think that's like one of my favorite parts I reckon mm. just Me little too. tangents over here <laughs> okay last one would you rather join an amazing but very underrated band or join a band sorry Join a bad but very famous band. I'd rather join a very good but underrated band. Yeah. There's always room to grow, isn't there, too? Exactly. (laughs) Where can our listeners find you, Tia? Where's the best place to go hunting for your music and life? (laughs) Um, Music would be Spotify. Well, whatever you listen to music on, I guess. Mm. I think I'm on everything. Yeah. and for my life, probably Instagram. Where can everyone stalk you? <laughs> <laughs> Instagram. I'm still getting, learning the ropes on TikTok. Instagram's probably the best place. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. I, um, I'm sure our listeners uh, have, have learned a lot and have loved listening to you chat to us today. So thanks yeah, so much. Thanks so much, Tia. Yeah. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to today's chat. If you loved what we had to say, hit subscribe, leave us a review and find us on Instagram at some would say podcast. Talk then.